0: Our lesson this morning is from John chapter 2. Please stand. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not come yet. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The word of our Lord.
1: Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears that we might hear a word for us today anew, and so that we too might then live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's just get this out of the way to start with, okay? Go Vikings, whatever. I hope you're at a party and you run out of pretzels. <laughs> now on to the sermon. <clears throat> did your mom ever ask you to do stuff when you were growing up? I know my mom did, and I swear half the time they were just making stuff up to get us out of the house. Did your, did your mom ever do this to you? I think my mom's favorite activity for us in the midsummer, when school was out, probably even when I was in junior high and high school, was to say, why don't you go outside and pick up sticks? Did your mom ever tell you to do this? This was an absurd thing to do as a kid when I was growing up because we didn't have like one of those little green kind of tiny lawnmowers. We had like this Honda lawnmower that weighed like 8,000 pounds. You could have run over an oak tree with that thing and it would have sucked up the leftovers, right? Picking up sticks was a superfluous activity. And I don't know if, when you were that age, and your mom asked you to do something, if you ever got slightly annoyed. Uh, this happened to me just the other day. Maybe this has somehow ever happened to you. I was with my mom, and this was just recently, and um, she handed me this bag of hats and mittens because I serve on a board of an organization called Hats and Mittens, and so she gave me this bag and said, "Could you take this to the, you know, next time you're at a board meeting?" And I was like. <sighs> It's not like I have anything else to do. You know, I'm important or whatever. I'm going to haul around your hats and mittens. Well, anyway, I did. (laughs) I don't think this is that far of a cry from what happens with Jesus, to tell you the truth. Think about it for just a second. We're in the second chapter of the Gospel of John. We haven't even hardly gotten started, and Jesus and Mary, and I want you to picture this for a second, too, because Jesus is there with his new posse. In just a few seconds before this story, it's the story of Jesus calling his disciples. So he's there with his new friends, and they're at a wedding, and I don't know how they all know each other or why they're all there, but Jesus is there with his mom and with his new posse, his new friends, and I imagine, like all moms do, especially when they see their son walking in with some new friends, licked her hand, smoothed back his hair, and said, Oh, don't you look so handsome for the wedding, all dressed up. This is what's going on, right? And they're all partying down, and Jesus is there with his mom and his disciples, and they run out of wine. Now, the story doesn't tell us why, because there's no explanation. It could have been bad planning. Uh, They could have been lazy. Uh, They could have hired the wrong wedding planner. I don't know. Uh, It could have been that their friends are supposed to bring the wine and their friends didn't bring any wine or they don't have any friends. It doesn't say. It also doesn't say what it means. It doesn't say if this is a big deal or a tragedy or if it's a faux pas or if it's some sort of life and death kind of cultural embarrassing moment. It's probably not life or death. It's just wine at a party. But nonetheless, Mary turns and looks at Jesus and says, son, they're out of wine And I imagine (laughs) Jesus looks back at Mary, who seems to know something. (laughs) What does this have to do with me, Mom? Give me a break. Now, if you've been following along with the story, Jesus, I think, actually has some good right to maybe even say something like this. What does this have to do with me, Mom? Mom? If you were here on Lessons and Carols, you heard Wade read the very beginning of the story of the Gospel of John, which is this more just majestic portrayal of who Jesus is and God coming into the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and this is who Jesus is. You get this enormous, magne- majestic vision of who God is and who Jesus is. And now Mom wants a little wine. And he's there with his new friends. Not in front of my friends, Mom. In front of all of Jesus' friends, Mom turns to Jesus and asks the creator of the universe to be a bartender. (laughs) Jesus rightly says, Mom, what does this have to do with you and me? It's not my time yet. But somehow Mary knows Somehow Mary knows, like all good prophets, what time it actually is. And now, now, right now, is always a good time for God to act. And so, like any good mom who knows how to get things done, she doesn't turn and argue with Jesus. This is my favorite part. She doesn't turn and argue with Jesus because you know that that's not happening, right? Instead, this is a brilliant move. She turns away from Jesus and to all the other people at the party, specifically the servants, and all she says is, just do whatever he tells you to do. Mary just called Jesus out right in front of everybody because she knew what time it was. It was time for God to act. And I want to point this out because far too often, the women in the biblical story get glossed over far too quickly. And in the hashtag MeToo moment, we don't have time to gloss over the powerful women who are making God's things happen in the world in the biblical story. It's time to shine a light and realize that it's Mary who reminds Jesus what time it is and what he's capable of doing. Mary reminds Jesus in this moment who he is and that it's time to act. Now, Jesus, I don't think, though, is completely wrong. I I do have to say that it seems to me that (laughs) pretzels at a Vikings game or wine at a party does not seem like a life and death situation. This seems like a minor and insignificant sort of thing to do. But what Jesus does is he actually does it anyway. He, he turns and he acts. And what I think is remarkable about this story is we have absolutely zero un, uh, uh, description of why he does it, or anything else. All he does is he turns and does it. What he doesn't do is he doesn't ask the steward what their bank account is. He doesn't go find the wedding planner and say, how much money do you have left to spend? He doesn't ask that question. He doesn't make an agreement with the bride and the groom either that somehow if they get this wine and benefit from it, they'll have to do maybe like 20 hours of community service as part of his new church that he's forming, that maybe they gotta come and be on the church council or uh, maybe serve on the stewardship team or something like that. He doesn't turn and ask them to do that either. Um, and then he doesn't say, well, what we really need to do is we've got to get you signed up for a job training program because obviously if you had a better job, you'd be able to buy more wine and probably better wine. And next year when you celebrate your anniversary, uh, anniversary if you go through the job training program, what you can really get then is some really nice fancy wine because you'll have climbed the corporate ladder. Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus just acts uh, ridiculously, abundantly, like lavishly, like almost comically. I want you to think about this for just a second. The story slows down at this point and tells the story that these are six 30-gallon jars, okay? You know how big a 30-gallon jar is? That's a garbage can, people. That is a gar- six garbage cans full of wine. I did the math, okay? Let's just calculate this out for just a second. So we got six 30-gallon uh, garbage cans full of wine. That's 180 gallons of wine. That's 2,880 2, cups of wine. Now, if we have 150 people here this morning, that means you are each responsible for drinking 19 cups of wine. Okay? That's over a gallon of wine that you are each responsible for this morning before you leave. Okay? And it's our communion wine, so I'm going to tell you it's a high alcohol content, all right? So you'll be able to stumble home about the time the game starts, I think. Now what this highlights for me is something rather simple and even mundane. Far too often what I do when I'm driving in the car or when I actually pause and sit down and pray the very first thing that comes to mind is whatever I'm asking for is often far too minor for me to even bother God to ask about. Most of the things that I ask God about in my own life are fairly trivial and mundane and i actually wonder to myself if god would even care especially when there's so many extravagant needs in the world what does this have to do with us mom but what i think the story points to at least for me is that somehow in jesus god's abundance can and does care about even our most trivial and minor and seemingly insignificant hurts and needs And if God can give wine at a wedding in such amazing abundance, how much more does God care for those who are living in poverty and squalor and war and violence and hunger and shivering and dying in the cold and refugees? It seems that God's abundance can cover not only my trivial, insignificant needs, but the needs of the whole world, in fact. What the story points to me is that... God, without checking anyone's worth, without checking anyone's ability to repay, always shares abundantly and graciously and ridiculously, loving like a mother who would give away everything for the sake of her son, pouring out endless cups of wine. As a follower of Jesus, this feels to me like a call to how we are called to respond to even trivial needs even the most trivial of needs, with extravagant love and generosity and forgiveness, without questions of merit, our first move as followers of Jesus should be to fill up that gallon bucket full of wine for anyone who asks. It's kind of like if you ask God for a glass of water and God walked up and said, Here's the ocean! Thirsty? Here's Lake Minnetonka. Extravagant overabundance of love. Now, I want you to go with me here for just a second. An added turn this morning. It's no secret that I'm not a fan of our current president. And I am, in fact, to tell you this morning, I'm not actually offended by his most recent language. We all swear We've all called both people and places derogatory names. But it's his heart and the soul of all people, including my own, that I worry about. It's the orientation of my heart and my hands towards those in need that I worry about. His words and ours far too often reflect stingy hearts of the jealous protection of our resources, our finances, our love, and our forgiveness. And far too often, all of us cling to these things with such fierce determination because we rightly perceive that they give us power fiscally to make people work for it, emotionally to get people to beg for forgiveness, and spiritually to make them earn their way into heaven with some magic words or magic deeds. Power so that we can feel like we are powerful. But notice this. Notice, notice this, if nothing else, in this whole story. The majestic God of the universe doesn't act this way. Takes the opposite point of view. Instead, the first move is to give and share lavish, lavish and lavishly and riches that seem reckless and overabundant and when that happens that's what real power is to give everything away even in Jesus case to give life itself away and what's crazier yet is that God then invites those who through cunning and violence raped the family of God by murdering his own son God turns around and invites the murderers to dinner This is my body given for you. This is an abundance of wine poured out for you. Hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. Mom, what does that have to do with you and me? Everything. Then turn to the servants And do whatever he asks of you. Amen.